Welcome to episode 25 of Building Blocks of Brennan. Today we connect with Mark Harrison. Mark is a content creator, YouTuber, and has a large following on many different social media platforms. Just like many others, Mark likes to travel. And during his travels, he would tend to shoot video just of where he was going, some interesting things he would see. And he would just post them online, just for friends and family, with no intentions of going viral or making money. Except, one of his videos did go viral, hitting 250,000 views. In fact, it became so large that an organization asked if they could license it. From there, it flipped a switch in Mark's mind. He realized he could make money from creating content and traveling around the world. But just like many entrepreneurs, having a transition to go from a steady job to a unsure salary to trying to be your own boss can be very challenging. Today's episode, we talk about how that transition was, how he was able to go from being a teacher with a steady paycheck to becoming a full-time content creator traveling around the world. We also talk about the age-old question, how much money do you make? We go over some of the challenges when it comes to content creation, as you have very little control of what your cost per view is. As depending on where your individuals are who are viewing your videos, the cost per 1,000 clicks can dramatically change, going from a few pennies to $20. So we talk about how important it is to budget not only your time, but your money. And one of the things we also talk about is how the heck do you travel around the world and be, still become successful entrepreneur and create content at a high level. We talk about how you have to view your job as a job, but also have fun with it because you are shooting content for other people to enjoy. You have to make sure you're enjoying it along the way. Hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. Learn a little bit more about how individuals make money being content creators, as well as follow his YouTube channels. Hopefully you guys enjoy. So, hey Mark, thanks for hopping onto the podcast. Well, I guess, I guess to start off, how would you consider yourself? Would you consider yourself a YouTuber, an influencer, a digital marketer? Kind of what is your title or yeah. job description, would you say? Good question. Well, never the I word, because the I word is too cringe. We never try to, the only time influencer ever shows up is, is in contracts and it's like, oh gosh. Okay, because I'm not influencing anybody, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, what would I call myself? I feel like I would like to say YouTuber, but I probably can't survive on YouTube income alone. Mm -hmm. So maybe all those things that you said, maybe content creator, um, digital marketer, I don't know. So hands in many baskets, but let's just wrap it up into like YouTuber content creator mm -hmm. to keep it easy. And how, so one of the things that's always interesting, I mean, like content creation is so big right now with anything with the attention economy, just getting eyes on you. But that's always been the case. I think people pretend it's a new thing with like TikTok and everything, but right. advertising's always been around. It's nothing new, just a different form or different medium. How did you get into like how did you get into creating content? Were you interested in videography or taking photos before and then just start getting some traction? Or was there a North Star something you started to follow and said, Oh, I can do this myself? Like what was that transition from making it a monetary thing or slowly into a career? Yeah, it's, it's all starts. And as many people in this industry, I've found, especially from Toronto that I've met starts as a skateboarder. I was skateboarder when I was 11, 12, had my first little JVC handheld mini eight tape camera mm -hmm. and trying to film sponsor me videos. So I was always filming and any sort of progression I was skateboarding, I was making videos and filming. So it was just very normal to kind of document any sort of new experience. And then mm -hmm. after university, I traveled for a year. And I wanted to document it all and mm -hmm. traveled, loved it, made videos, posted them to YouTube for memory's sake. And 
Then I was super broke, went into what I studied, which was teaching. And in 2014, I posted one of my videos from traveling and it went viral. Mm -hmm. And some media company, some viral video media company called, I think it's Jukin, the name. Mm -hmm. Jukin Media goes, hey, can we license this footage and we'll pay you 70% of whatever you make? And I'm like, license? What does that mean? Like, okay, mm -hmm. do whatever you want with it. If you think you're going to get me money from this, yeah, go ahead. I'm, yeah. I just posted it for fun. But at that day I posted it on YouTube, it pumped up to like 250,000 on oh, in the first day. So then they licensed it. They recognized it had viral potential within like 400 views. It was bizarre. They, they managed mm -hmm. to get it so early. So kudos to them. However, it, it made me over 10 grand like mm -hmm. over the years. And I was like, what? I'm like, YouTube pays like this is mm -hmm. a possibility. So that kind of planted the seed that it was always possible to do this and make money so, or to travel, and make money. Cause I've always wanted to travel and somehow continue mm -hmm. to keep it going. Whereas teaching was pretty good teaching. You work eight months of the year, you're off four months of the year. That's a lot of traveling, but I wanted to kind of make it full time. So while I was teaching overseas in China, I always had my focus around, let's try and do this YouTube thing and get paid from it. So I always had mm -hmm. that side hustle going on. And then probably 2015 or 2016, maybe 2017, mm -hmm. I started getting into rooftoping when that was trending in Shanghai. It was a way to mm -hmm. like urban explore. And that was a really fun way to, you know, adventure trying to get up on top of roofs. Mm -hmm. And it was a good way to take urban photography. Mm -hmm. And that started at the beginning of the growth on Instagram. And I guess like when you said, how did I know to make, it was going to make me money? Well, it's just work. It's just a cheap marketing agency, essentially mm -hmm. any radio or any TV station is looking for people to watch where there's eyeballs mm -hmm. and people want to advertise to them. So just like any other thing where it's a really cheap form of, of marketing and now brands are all over it. And that's really interesting. I know how you said you kind of were teaching and then you slowly got into this. Was there a tipping off point when you said, you know what, I'm going to do this full time or this is going to be my career? Was it a do you tell yourself like once I hit this much or if I can make this much money a year or was it becoming more and more time consuming where you had to make that choice? The combination. Um, I, in 20, the, my third year of teaching at the end, I wanted to quit and I wanted to go full time and I, I wasn't making any money on social media, zero, but I was like, whatever, I'll just go for it, dive in head first. And if I lose money in my first year, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But then I got offered like a really good, a position as a vice principal, good pay mm -hmm. for my fourth year. And I was like, you know, if I just take this, it was close to like a hundred K. So I'm like, if I take this one more year of teaching or vice principal, mm -hmm. I'll be really set. And then I can dive. And if I spend whatever, I've got a buffer mm -hmm. zone. And as I was leaving that year, ready to kind of dive in, I was still making almost nothing off social media, pretty much nothing like the odd thing, but it wasn't, it was nothing. So yeah, end of 2017, I made my plan to kind of have my escape route mm -hmm. and I stuck to it, finished the year on my contract. However, I did set myself up to be a teacher recruiter online. Mm -hmm. So I had some remote work going into the year that mm -hmm. wasn't photography, content creation, social media. Mm -hmm. So what that allowed me to do is not take the crappy jobs just because I needed to survive. So it didn't provide this thing like I, because it happens so much, people become something and then they have, they're forced to survive and do like really crappy jobs. And mm -hmm. then their passion just becomes this grind 
and yeah. they lose the passion because they're not doing the stuff they want. So that was really important. I was able to just travel wherever I wanted to go, not worry about the money, just focus on creating videos for YouTube, mm -hmm. creating content for Instagram, not making any money from it, mm -hmm. the odd thing, but not really. And then my, my monthly expenses were hand, were taken care of from the recruiting. And it wasn't until early 2020, mm -hmm. I was able to quit the teacher recruiting because this was making enough money now. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. And turned out actually 2020 was my best financial year because of COVID. <laughs> it was funny how yeah. some people benefit and some people don't, but I was making tutorials online on how to edit videos and everyone was bored mm -hmm. and watching them. So that's how it worked out. That's really unique how you, I think that's one of the things what you touched on makes a lot of sense is having a, not, I wouldn't say a backup plan, but having a way to cover your expenses that's maybe less time consuming or something that prevent you from having to make content you don't want to, or forcing you to pump out more videos if you're like oh, oh shoot i need to make like another thousand dollars this month i have to post anything just to get views and i think that's kind of the slippery slope like you were saying is once it becomes a little bit of a grind you can either lose the passion for it or it's not genuine anymore and then it's hard mm -hmm. to continue growing that's right I, so I, people ask me yeah. all the time they're like what what's one tip you have if i want to get started i'm like mm -hmm. find a way to earn some income that's not with a camera that's not mm -hmm. with this because you know like you said you're going to start selling out with a with a small audience people are like mm -hmm. who's this guy like mm -hmm. no one wants to see more ads from you no one wants to see ads right so mm -hmm. you're you're going to have to get end up or you're going to take those really crappy jobs which sits you in front of a computer for eight hours and you're like wait a second i thought i was creating for myself and you start creating mm -hmm. this stuff for other people that you don't want to be creating so i guess and that's a big one so instagram youtube two main i guess um social media channels. Now, like you were saying, and it's, I mean, it's very common when you look in the industry, like, oh, you, you can't make a living typically off YouTube. You have to do other, what, what other tasks, whether it be like merchandising, whether it be making like a sponsored content, how early did you realize that? Or were you, as your YouTube channel grew and your social media presence grew, you had other opportunities that were connected to your content, but not directly just monetizing through advertising. Right. So you definitely can make a great living from YouTube. And the only reason why I guess I haven't is I have my eggs kind of diversified in many, mm -hmm. many baskets. And I just feel better that way. I feel a little mm -hmm. safer that way that if one thing goes belly up, then I've got all these other um, pools to draw from. Uh, TikTok is also my, well, is my biggest platform now. Mm -hmm. And oh, wow. I've started to see I've done like four or five sponsored posts on there now. Mm -hmm. So it's starting to grow and get, get recognition all through COVID when TikTok was really blowing up. Mm -hmm. I never saw anything from it, but yeah, the advertisers are realizing that there's a lot of potential there. That's where the kids, eye, that's where the mm -hmm. eyes are. And so go to the advertising. Um, and it, as for other areas, yeah, video creation, video editing, um, courses, there's so many various ways to make income it's just kind of whatever you are good at is yeah. worth doing and i i don't know for myself i just try and diversify keep it myself mm -hmm. and, I, and i think that makes sense because there's so many different you don't, like you said you don't know what's going to take off or where what's going to happen especially with TikTok. like TikTok started off everyone's like okay this is popular but whatever and now it's a lot of businesses are looking for ways to market through it so you kind of really never know what's going to work and what's not going to work
Mm-hmm. One thing that's interesting with you is that you do a lot of traveling. And I know, especially with COVID now, a lot of people are working from home. So were you, like, when you shoot your videos, did you typically sh- shoot and edit on the road? Or would you shoot your content, go back home or wherever you consider home or go back somewhere, edit it? And do you still do that today? Or have you had to learn how to really work on the road consistently out of hotel rooms, off a laptop? Right. It's always a challenge. So I guess from 2018, the beginning of 2018, mm-hmm. it's been on the road, more or less full time. COVID, mm-hmm. I did three months in Canada and then four months based in Mexico. So Mexico was nice at a base, could do mm-hmm. trips, come back and edit from. And I think that's the goal eventually to have some sort of work base where I can yeah. do out trips, go a month away, come back, settle down, get some routine, get my health back, eat right those types of things. So some sort of routine is good. However, it's been the balance. Like right now I have one week in Dubai, just mm-hmm. transitioning while well, I am setting my business up here, but mm-hmm. like, I'm, that's it. I'm just editing here. I, I work out, I edit, that's it. And I obviously I took an hour to talk to you, but yeah. like, it's just finding this balance. It's unpredictable, but I don't know. It's a lot cheaper doing it this way because yeah, I'm not paying for any rent anywhere yeah. I go. So, and you did talk about health. I know traveling is always difficult to stay healthy or stay moving or eating, eating healthy or staying active. Mm. However, you're always on the road. So it's not one of those things where you're like, oh, I'll just not care about my health for a week or two. Cause like you said, it's been years. So yeah. how have you developed a routine? Cause I mean, you, you're rel- since I've known you, you've been relatively active and relatively um, in great shape the whole time. How have you, and everyone always talks about this, like celebrities as well, anyone, they're like, oh, learning to be active and eat healthy on the road is challenging or more difficult. How have you figured a way to stay consistent with it? And is one of those things where you just have to say, okay, I'm going to be active or work out today. Do you have a routine or how have you stayed up to date with your fitness through all these years of like never having, like you said, a home base Mm -hmm. or one place to sit, settle down and be like, I'm going to go to good life every day. How have you figured that out? Yeah, I, I'm jealous of that consistent gym life. I am. However, it kind of stemmed in 2018. I had my first few tourism board gigs where mm-hmm. all the meals are covered and all your hotels, hotels are covered. And I had that that sort of vacation mindset where it's like, ooh, look at this, free breakfast, buffet breakfast, buffet this and free meal this. And then three months in of this nonstop like, free meals, I noticed myself getting real chubby. Like mm-hmm. I have a couple photos where I'm looking, I'm like, wow, like you let yourself go there. And that was kind of the pinnacle where I was like, all right, I did a two day fast, Mm -hmm. hit that reset button and was like, I'm going to change what I'm doing here. And I switched to, you need to eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, because those times of the day you Mm -hmm. eat to you now eat when you're hungry. So listen to Mm -hmm. your body. If you're hungry, then eat. Don't, if it's 12 o'clock, who cares? Are you hungry? So that that's sort of the mindset I switched. I switched to two meals a day. I switched to I'm gonna eat when I'm hungry. I'm not gonna eat till I'm full. I'm just gonna eat mm-hmm. like not when I'm super full, you know. Yeah. And then I try to exercise every every single day. It's like the sweat once a day thing. Obviously, that doesn't happen. Like I'll travel some mm-hmm. days or we off plane some days, but every day I'll build in something. Whether and the easiest thing to do, especially everyone turned into a runner during COVID because all yeah. gyms were closed. So I just love running now, you know, put in a podcast, put in some, a mm-hmm. book, audio book. And if I have no gym, no nothing, I go for a run. I, I also travel with some bands, a couple mm-hmm. of resist- resistance bands, and I always work out in parks. So I go look on Google Maps, I look, Google Maps, I look for a green space. Mm-hmm. And typically there's like monkey mm-hmm. bars or something where I do yeah. chin-ups, pulls, push, and it works. It works. 
And how, obviously exercise is important, but how have you figured out your diet? Because you're traveling to many different countries mm. where food may not be as consistent or something that you're not as used to. So do you like experiment with food or is like the risk of getting food poisoning so large because you're always on the go <laughs> or how have you managed that? Cause it sounds great, but every time you hear anyone, anyone traveling, it's like, well, I got sick and yeah. I was here for like seven days and now I can't do anything. How, yeah. how have you I managed get, that whole challenge? I get food poisoning a lot. I do. I do. It sucks. Although I travel, I travel with Jordan and he never gets food poisoning. So I don't understand. Maybe I just, my stomach's ruined from yeah. eating too much bad grease in China or something, <laughs> but I don't know, like we, you try and be less adventurous. Like when you're mm. going on a trip, like when I was in India in 2012, I just ate everything. I, mm. I had indigestion the entire six weeks I was there just cause I was like, I gotta experience it all. Yeah. So a traveling and knowing that you have deadlines, you take less risks. So you eat cleaner places, you yeah. spend a bit more money, you spend a bit nicer places for hotels. Like when I traveled before it was, it was hostels every time. You know, yeah. save the money, stay in hostels, meet people. Now it's like never stay in hostels because at night I need to know that I can open my laptop, work for a couple hours, and then leave it open, go out mm -hmm. the next day, and then come back and my laptop's ready and good to go. And it's yeah. and, you know, so you just, you kind of find ways to make it a bit more comfortable, a bit more predictable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how have you been able to? So I think one thing with travel, like we touched on this a bit, but with traveling, you tend to go to very unique places and there's always a lot of things you want to see. How have mm. you, how do you figure out what you're going to do versus like, I think, so one of the big challenges I've had, or I think I would have with working remote and moving around a lot is that you always want to be like, okay, I'm in Colombia today. I want to go see everything. Or I'm here today. I want to go see everything that's unique to this place because I don't want to be back here next. But you also have a job to do. So... Mm do you work pretty heavily on a schedule where you're like, okay, I am going to go here to make this content, do this, but then I'm right. setting, you know, five hours or I'm going to be stuck in the hotel room, which sucks, right. but I need to get this work done. How have you been able to manage it? Yeah. Or have you just got used to saying, okay, this is a, not a vacation. This is more of a job where there's things I should do and shouldn't do. Yeah. Well, I, I hate scheduling. It's one of my weakest mm -hmm. points. I try and let everyone who's with me whenever I travel, mm -hmm. let them do it. But a lot of times too, we do jobs where it's the tourism board sets up the itinerary. They want to be pushing areas of the country where they want promoted, right? Mm -hmm. So they'll set up tentative itineraries or say, hey, what are you guys interested in? And then we'll say what we're interested in, like we're saying like mountains, adventure, and mm -hmm. they, they set something up. So I love that. Or if we're working for agencies where they're doing like a specific trip, for example, yeah. we went to like seven different countries with this company called Travel Talk, where mm -hmm. they just have a bus and it takes you around different places. And then it's like, everybody's on the bus, everyone gets off and stays a couple nights there. And then you're back on mm -hmm. and that's set up for you. So that's easy in that way. It's easy to kind of set up what you're going to film and have a, an easier concept for the video. As for like Switzerland, where we just were for a month, we didn't have that sort of schedule. So we mm -hmm. set it up for ourselves. but yeah, I'm the worst at scheduling. I try and get everyone, everyone else to do it. Mm -hmm. And as for, do I treat it like a job? Not really because. I have to remember who I'm like, who's watching the actual video mm, mm -hmm. and people who are watching are the people who want to travel there. So they don't want to stay to go, they don't want to go and be like, well, he was just working or something. They mm -hmm. want to see, oh, did you have a good time? And would you recommend it? So I try to do it as like, I try to live just like a, I would, if I was strictly just traveling, the difference mm -hmm. is, is if it's a seven day trip for them, it's a 14 day trip for me. Whereas, cause oh. we're probably going to take days mm -hmm. off. 
just to edit and slow way down. That's all. That makes a lot. I think that makes a lot of sense. Instead of trying to, like you said, make the experience lessen, just take a little bit more time and spend the day. So go, okay, today is my editing day or working day. Yeah. And then I'll just do the whole day. Like I'm traveling, like I'm on a vacation. That's right. Which, yeah. which makes, I think it makes a lot of sense. And it's always yeah. very interesting because I think similar to any content creation, the videos look effortless, but there's yeah. days to put into yeah. to create that content. It's not yeah. just a vlog that you threw up in without any editing. Right. How, how, so over, I mean, I've watched your videos for quite some time and obviously the themes change or kind of how you edit it has changed. Were you, did you have to learn how to edit along the way or was one of those things where you, you know, when you were starting out, you were learning to edit and then now you have a routine. Like, how, and how do you stay up to date with the, the, those types of things? Cause there's so many different ways. I mean, every, it seems like with everything else, every month there's a different theme or a different way of advertising or a different way of de developing your videos. Mm -hmm. How have you developed your style over the mm -hmm. past few years? Or, or even a different camera, like three, yeah. I love using 360 cameras and then that's a whole new level mm. of editing. So yeah. The, and then it's always like, okay, what do I edit for TikTok now? What do I edit for Instagram now? What do I edit for YouTube? And YouTube is the beast that requires so much attention too. So a couple of things is if it's, if the person asking is, do I need to learn how to edit before I get, get into it? The, mm. of course the answer is no, you just, just start making and improve mm -hmm. as you go. And my videos have improved as I have gone on, but in some cases, my video editing has gotten worse as I've got on, meaning I spend less time because people not always super interested in like the higher, higher quality cinematic. They want to know more about just the story and experience. Mm -hmm. So it, it does depend on that sort of that trend that will go in and out. Like people want to see more polished or high quality or but they just want to see the experience and I'll vary between videos with that. However, what the goal is now is I have an editor. So that's, mm -hmm. and that editor works remotely. So that's good. Cause now I can get him to do the bulk of the edit from YouTube. 90% sends me the timeline and I'll finish up the last little bit. And that allows me to spend more time editing for TikTok, editing for Instagram, and then also dealing with emails because like emails and contract negotiation is massive headache and takes a lot of time and I just have, don't have time for everything because it's a lot. Uh, that's so, I've worked with some contracts as well. And it's always so time consuming, especially when you're arguing over the smallest things where you're like, <laughs> this is a week of work for literally no difference. Like it's just right. a different word and no right. matter who accepts it, it doesn't matter, but it's just like, okay, right. I need to at least have it consistent just so mm -hmm. that it's, I'm not getting messed up here or there. Yeah. How? How were, when did you figure out when you need to get your editor? Cause I, I know any business, no matter what you're doing, it's like your first few employees or your first employees always like a big step because mm -hmm. you have to pay them. And mm -hmm. a lot of times when you're starting out, it's not like you have infinite cash just to throw around. What was your transition to saying, okay, I need to hire an editor to be able to make better content or at least to save more time for yourself. Was yeah. there a transition point where when you, was it the yeah. transition based on the number of contracts you had or more of you're just, you realized you didn't have enough time to get the same quality out there. Yeah, the it was I just don't have time to do it mm -hmm. all. And it's either I sacrifice a platform, which a lot of YouTubers do, they focus mm -hmm. all their attention on YouTube. And then they just, you know, sprinkle in some some TikTok and Instagram. And that's fine, because yeah. their audience is so strong on YouTube that it, they cross over and they're, they're good mm -hmm. on, on all the platforms. However, my audience isn't that loyal on YouTube per se, like, they'll I don't have like this solid foundation of mm -hmm. people that will watch me regardless. I have a lot of videos that are searchable. 
because YouTube oh, is a search engine. People go to it to, to search for things. And that's the beauty of it. If you create content, knowing it's a search engine, that, then you can SEO higher, you can show up. Mm -hmm. So mm. 2020, making all my YouTube tutorials, I, I show up now when people type in mm -hmm. how to edit video in, in on a Mac, I show mm -hmm. up. So because I show up, that means I'm starting to get a pretty reliable monthly income, not huge, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but at least I can rely on it. So that was like, okay, I have this money, let's reinvest it back in and let's save me some time. So now I can pay an editor with that money coming from YouTube mm -hmm. to continue feeding the beast. So that's sort of how it is. It's like, I don't have time. I need someone to do it. And I have the kind of enough money to just pay that editor to keep it going. So mm -hmm. that that's really interesting. I know what you touched on, like your audience not being as strong of a fan base, maybe compared to some other um, content creators. What I find interesting is that I, what I've seen with a lot of larger, even businesses or YouTubers or any content creators is that at a certain size, they start getting to vlogging and personal, uh, personal just content just because they have that audience. What I found really interesting though was that content can sometimes be the most popular. But like you were saying, is if they all know you as a person, no one's gonna watch you just like walk around your house for a yeah. day. Where if you had a fan, like if you're a celebrity, you'd have that fan base to do yeah. anything because they want to see you. And I think what yeah. you touched on is very. I guess, smarter, self-aware to say, okay, like my content that's popular is a lot of these tutorials or travel contents mm -hmm. where you are developing a stronger fan base, but it's, you know, for a you know, video that has hundreds of thousands of views, a lot of those would have been searchable. And I think that's yeah. a unique way of, unique way of looking at it just because it's, it is hard to, I feel it's one of those things that people take for granted, especially with so many of these TikTok or any other in even the bad word of influencer, which I guess are maybe more influencee, is that people are like, oh, they just make travel content. They just make um, like vlog content. I can do the same. But the difference is they have 40 million followers. So even <laughs> if 10% follow them, that's still a you know, 4 million view ch video constantly. So it's, mm -hmm. I think it's one of those challenges. Have you found your, when you talk to other people, or I mean, you meet people on the road, do you, is the idea of being a content creator since even the past few years been more and more acceptable or more under like, do people understand now what you do or is it still people are like, you do what you make videos for a living? Well, what's your job? Or have you yeah. found that since the popularity of social media, just people are like, Oh, I understand exactly what you do now. Most people are know it, accept it. Mm -hmm. They still don't really understand how you get paid though, or uh, how you, or how much you get paid. There's no real good information. There's some information if you really search it, but it's difficult because if someone asks me, I go, well, I still can't give a firm answer because yeah. A, it's not that predictable. And it really, really does depend, especially on YouTube, where if I have an American audience or like a Swiss, you know, mm -hmm. German audience watching, I'm getting in, I'm getting around $10 to $15 per thousand views. Mm -hmm. Yet I had a Turkey video mm -hmm. and I'm getting 70 cents per thousand views. And it's like, well, why is that? Is YouTube being racist? Why, mm -hmm. like, why is they not rewarding you with like your Turkish viewers? Why is that so low? And it's simple. You study business, you know, it's GDP, yeah. right? If do they have buying power? Do they have disposable income? Well, they don't. So if I advertise a luxury product to, to Turkish mm -hmm. audience, well, they don't have the GDP. They don't have the domestic, the, the disposable income to buy that product. Whereas mm -hmm. if you, you know, pull out some Swiss watches and go in, uh, 
promote them to mm -hmm. some people in Beijing, well, they're going to buy them. So yeah, like, it's just, that's all it is. It's buying power. So you, the US has the most, the highest disposable income in the world. If people from the US are watching, you get really good advertisements on there and I get paid more. So that's one reason why it depends. Mm -hmm. That that's so tricky because everyone always looks up like, how much does this YouTuber make? And then you yeah, see yeah. online, it's like between seven thousand and seven hundred thousand <laughs> right, dollars. Right. And you're like, how is that possible? And <laughs> right. it's like you said, it's advertising depends on who's seeing your content. And although right. it sounds simple, I think it's like you said, it's very difficult to explain to someone being like, well, I had this one. You know, this video had a. I think there's a famous speaking of Dubai as well. There's a famous video of like Larry Wheels big fitness uh, individual who has I think, I know, like a yeah. hundred million, hundred million view arm wrestling video. That's 20 seconds, but because right. it's so short and I guess the audience, it's like he made nothing on it compared to a view, video with 10th of the views, but it's like an hour long. So I think it's one of those things where, I mean, I think it's similar to a lot of other businesses as well, where it's like, well, it depends. And people are like, well, I just want an answer. And you're like, yeah, right. I, I actually can't give you an answer because <laughs> right. it is such a huge range yeah. uh, for, for the content creation. Yeah. So, and one added one, one more thing to add is just people are like, okay, okay, well, tell me what do you make if you go to a country and you make them a video for that, for that country? And mm -hmm. I go, well, it massively depends. I mean, yeah. what's the country? If someone, if Iceland tourism board reaches out to me and says, Hey, you coming, there's no way they're paying me a dime, but I'm still mm -hmm. going. I accept because yeah. it's Iceland. It's like the greatest place ever. So yeah. if they want to even subsidize some of my costs, half of my costs, I'm still going yet. If um, what's a, I don't want to sled like bash mm -hmm. a country here, but let's say a country that I don't, or I've already been to, or I don't love mm -hmm. so much says, Hey, do you want to come? I say, well, no, but I'd say, mm -hmm. what's your budget? And then that could be a really good pay. Like, for example, I did a job with Las Vegas. I, I don't have a huge desire so much to travel to. However, it's Las Vegas. They have a crazy budget. They pay super well. And they also pay well to use your likeness or your brand in their social media. Mm -hmm. So then it pays really well, but it is so random. One thing that uh, content creators love to do, and you'll hear mm -hmm. this a lot, is they like to boast about their best contract and they pretend yeah. that's their normal. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, I got paid 20K to do that one. And then you're mm -hmm. like, I hear that. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great that that was your best contract, but that's not what you're always getting paid. <laughs> and you, yeah. you know, so sometimes you got to take what, I don't know, a lot of these content creators say as yeah. a grain of salt because they like to boast about their best. And I think it's one of those things. It's it's there's no disadvantage to really lying as well. If you're it, depending on like what content you're creating, if you're trying to go as word, I hate this word as well. Even in the business sense, like viral, like if you just lie and no one finds out and you get more views from it, then you're like, well, like I'm trying to get people's attention. What's the real downside? The problem is though, when people realize you're lying, then it can be a little bit of a downturn. But then drama sells as well. So it's always one of those things where it's like. What is the real downside? And I think what you were saying, like people talking about how much money they make, I always found it. In, I just realized on Twitch how much some of those people make every month mm -hmm. when they're like talking about their contracts. There's a big little drama with like these gambling contracts mm -hmm. recently mm -hmm. where their contracts are a million dollars a month. They were getting paid to just have like a few hours of sponsored content a month. And I was like, oh, that's real. Like that's real, real money. No, besides <laughs> all this like swag they sell and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. And it's like the same thing, like you're saying, it's hard to believe what people say, but same thing is like content creation. There is a lot of money in it just because you can get eyes that, I mean, you watch any TV show, the number of viewers is so little compared to a normal podcast or even compared to like a YouTube video. 
mm-hmm. that was in the past. So there's mm-hmm. just to wake one more point on that. There's we you read we all read these things about well how is this country content creator getting so much money and this one getting mm-hmm. so much money. There is a, a, a distinct disadvantage to going super viral is mm-hmm. you get this you get this hype when the hype's over you die and mm-hmm. people go they get whoa and then they just go away so the advantage to building a very slow audience means you will retain because mm-hmm. what you've done is slowly bringing plenty of value that those people are like wow this person's actually providing me mm-hmm. value not gone on this hype train and also when you're that type of character or personality that's just like running around with a vlog camera mm-hmm. and people are, are attached to that, that's also very temporary. And mm-hmm. people like that get canceled a lot. So it's very risky to be that type of person because you, you're in and then you're out. Mm-hmm. It's very one hit wonder, it's very cancely, and it mm-hmm. never lasts. It's just the hype, the hype train. So mm-hmm. you, there's a, people look at that and go, wow, how is he doing that? And you, you attach this price tag to it, a million dollars, million dollars. It's like, eh, that doesn't last that stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Downside to it. I think it's the same thing with like um, other industries where no one wants to be a part of a dying channel or like a, a dying game or a dying company. So once your views start going down, people are like, oh, this isn't cool anymore. I don't want to be, this is so like last year or like oh, yeah. this is so old. Like it's not as cool. It's always cooler to be a part of something that's growing. And I think that's the same thing is when you get really big, really fast. And obviously there are examples of like where it's worked, but it's one of those things like, do you have the skills to also maintain a audience of a million viewers where you need to have a level of quality, level of consistency that when you have a thousand viewers, you don't need, there's like right. different levels to the game, like anything else. So now you're currently in Dubai and kind of like you, you know, you have an editor now, what does it look for you going forward? Is there a, is it just more traveling? Is there a different content you're trying to create or kind of what does the next year for you look now as COVID starts to die down a bit more and, restrictions are lessened. So yeah, travel is, has been back for a while now. Mm -hmm. Uh, we got, we went on a cruise. That was a, we created, created content for a cruise. Mm -hmm. We went to Georgia with a tourism board, uh, Mm -hmm. Switzerland opened up to North Americans. So traveling is pretty like the industry itself is coming back. I'm not saying individual countries Mm -hmm. laws are changing. Australia is in a rough spot. So yeah, we're excited to, continue to do what we do as for what it looks like i mean it looks very similar to what it mm-hmm. what it did look like COVID is one of those things that's not going away it's always going to be here people mm-hmm. are, we're just going to learn to deal with it like we have dealt with the flu not saying mm-hmm. it's the same obviously it's more deadly but we're just going to have to deal with it so i mean things are pretty normal for me mm-hmm. per se and I'm, I'm in dubai and yeah i mean it's really strict here but mm-hmm. i'm here setting up my business so because i'm a non-resident of canada so i have mm-hmm. a license here now but yeah, yeah. um but yeah it's, things are looking very similar i mean there's not much changing COVID didn't like yeah there was a break in there but yeah life looks similar and content all looks similar i'm gonna continue doing what, what i'm doing yeah and i mean that sounds it's i mean since especially since, since beginning of COVID, your channel and your content's really been taken off even your like you see even your TikToks in general being your largest platform so one thing we can touch on before we end is we talked before the podcast was like stealing content or copying mm-hmm. content and how there is a benefit to having a like YouTube, having a blockchain, being able to copyright certain things. How big of an issue is that actually, and 
how you get around it? Like how, what prevents or how have you figured a way like, to help prevent someone from just copying your content and just reposting it or making it their own? Or is it still a challenge that there's no real easy solution to? So there's no, there's no real solution at the moment. So YouTube's great. Mm -hmm. uh, people steal my videos all the time, repost them for their own channels. And right away, YouTube will just notify me. There's a whole section called copyright section mm -hmm. where I can just oh, wow. take down all those videos and each one of those people get a copyright strike. Mm -hmm. And then if they get three of those copyright strikes, their channel gets deleted. So amazing mm -hmm. setup on YouTube. It's beautiful. But with Facebook and Instagram, there's nothing. So what happened was on TikTok, I just posted a meme, I guess, of me mm -hmm. making fun of flat earthers. Mm -hmm. It hit 7.5 million on TikTok. And right away, all the meme pages on Instagram all mm -hmm. stole it and all uploaded it and no one gave me credit. And then all these people are sending me this video saying, oh, look, you're on this meme mm -hmm. page. And these meme pages are all private yeah. because you have, they, want you to, they want you to have to follow them in order to view their stuff. So when people share, you can't see it unless you follow. So I can't go in there and be like, hey, credit me. Or if I do say mm -hmm. it, it's like it's too late anyways. And yeah, it's frustrating. It's annoying because I haven't posted it yet to Instagram. So that already, if I post it, it mm -hmm. won't go viral now because those pages have already taken it. So there's no solution. It's it's either I can yeah. This so weird, it just yeah. says it's just me that's having to say whatever. It's um no big deal. But what will be nice is when or if Instagram gets that blockchain that recognizes original content or original mm -hmm. uploader and then gives me the power to to request to take to it down. Decide. Unfortunately, now it's just trash. <laughs> yeah. No. It's 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 crazy. Even those like meme pages. How much first again? How much money they make? But also how they a lot of them have made in their industry or their business just off stealing other people's content yeah. and the inability for individuals to, especially smaller, because a lot of them have hundreds of millions or millions of followers mm -hmm. that a smaller content creator really can't do much to get their mm -hmm. voice heard for, on those huge pages. So that's, it is a yeah. challenge. And I even more and more now with a lot of um, people who signed when they were young, signing contracts with them and then mm -hmm. getting their content taken from them for pennies on the dollar compared to what their content's actually generating. It's a very unique industry that, like everything else with social media is wild west. So it was great connecting, Mark. I mean, very interesting story since I've known you, especially being, like you said, content creator and traveling the world and having such success, especially during COVID. Um, if people want to follow you, what's, what are your best channels now? I guess, what's your YouTube channel? What's your uh, handles? Yeah. So you can just type my name in on YouTube, Mark Harrison. You'll find me there. And Mark Harrison 4 on Instagram. And TikTok, yeah, you don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. <laughs>